Uh, take your Bibles, if you would, open up to 2 Kings. 2 Kings is where we'll find our passage tonight. 2 Kings chapter 22 is where we'll be. And uh, while you're turning to that, I found an interesting uh, set of statistics I thought I'd share with you about uh, being careful where you go to avoid injury. And uh, they said avoid riding in automobiles because they're responsible for 20% of all fatalities. Do not stay at home because 17% of all accidents occur in the home. Avoid walking on the streets or sidewalks because 14% of all accidents occur to pedestrians. Avoid traveling by air, rail, or water because 16% of all accidents involve these forms of transportation. And out of the 33% remaining deaths, 32% of those occur in hospitals. So above all, avoid hospitals. Said so you'll be pleased to learn that only 0.001% of all deaths occur while studying the Bible. So the safest place you can be is studying your Bible. So uh, just uh, some helpful tips there of what not to do and what to do. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 22. And uh, I want to, uh, I'd, I'd been praying uh, leading up to this time. I knew we were uh, halfway through the year, uh, so to speak. We're, we're just starting into July. And so I asked God to give me liberty to preach uh, kind of, uh, a message to uh, kind of encourage us from the message that we had back in January for the theme for the year about the worth of the word. I wanted to preach on the Bible again. And so I asked God to give me liberty and I was hoping to preach last week about it and God worked and, and moved me a different way. Uh, but then uh, he, he gave me liberty tonight. So uh, I, I want to encourage you uh, tonight and uh, staying in the word of God. I hope that you have been reading with us throughout these first six months of the year, and as we get into the seventh month and moving on to the last half, uh, July is uh, kind of like the Wednesday of the, the year. Uh, we're, we're halfway there, but we still got just a little bit to go before we start a new year. And so by way of encouragement tonight, I want to share a few things with you. And uh, then also we have our Bible reading slips. You can turn those in for the month of June. Uh, and then kids, uh, if you brought your Bible reading charts, I have a gift for you tonight. If you I meant to announce it this morning, I forgot. Uh, so if you forgot, we'll carry it over to uh, Wednesday and next Sunday. So if you bring them in uh, either Wednesday or Sunday, then I'll have that for you. And uh, you have a good time with, with what we got for you. Uh, but let's look here in 2 Kings chapter 22. And uh, we're going to read a, a few verses here and uh, then try to share a few things with you. Uh, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, the, the, the more I preach and the more I, I kind of, I like to move around. I find that I, I like to get down here and be amongst you where I can see you better and smell you better and uh, smell the fear, <laughs> see the sweat. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 22, uh, we find in verse number one, the Bible tells us, Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem and his mother's name was Jedidah and the daughter of Adiah of Boscath. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the way of David his father and turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. And it came to pass in the 18th year of King Josiah that the king sent Shaphan, the son of Aziah, uh, Azaliah, the son of Meshulam, the scribe, to the house of the Lord, saying, Go up to Hilkiah the high priest, 
They may sum the silver which is brought into the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered uh, of the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work that have the oversight of the house of the Lord, and let them give it to the doers of the work which is in the house of the Lord to repair the breaches of the house. They're in the middle of a building program is what they're, what they're doing here, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, church is always in the middle of a building program. Uh, unto carpenters and builders and masons to buy timber and hewn stone to repair the house. Howbeit, there was no reckoning made with them of the money that was delivered into their hand because they dealt faithfully. Then in verse number 8 we find it says, And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. And Shaphan the scribe came to the king and brought the king word again. And said, Thy servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and delivered into the hand of them that do the work, that have the oversight of the house of the Lord. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you, dear God, that you have preserved it for us. You inspired it. You, you breathed into it, dear God. And then you gave it to us. And no more powerful book can we have than that which is in our hands tonight. And we pray, Father, that you would encourage us in this time to spend time in it, time with you. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, a couple of things that I see here just off the top is number one, in verse number eight, Hilkiah the high priest, he said, I found the book, the book. And then look at what Shaphan says. When he gives it to the king, he says, the priest hath delivered me a book. There's a difference there between the book and a book. There's a lot of books that we can say, well, I found a book, but there's only one book that's called the book. And that shows a difference in the way they viewed this. Now, Hilkiah was a priest. What's interesting about the priest, he was the high priest. So what he would do is he would take the sacrifice he would take it into the holiest of holies. He would put it there, put the blood upon the, uh, the, the mercy seat, and the glory of God would come down. So he got to enjoy the presence of God. He got to see God. Now, Shaphan was a scribe. What he did is he read about the glory of God, but he never got to see the glory of God. What we have in our churches today are a lot of scribes who read about God but never get to enjoy the glory and the presence of God. What we need are some people who claim the priesthood of the believer and get to enjoy and see the presence and glory of God so that it becomes not a book, but the book. And so, which camp do you live in today? Are you a scribe or a priest? Because it makes a difference on how you're going to view the Word of God. And so what we find here is Hilkiah, he, he had a different experience with God than Shaphan did. What did Shaphan do when he went into the king? He said, we've taken care of the money, we've taken care of all this, and oh, by the way, a book was found. He was more worried about the finances than the spiritual matter. He was more worried about the physical than the spiritual. He was more worried about what they could do to, to make the house of God look good than about what they needed to indwell the house of God. And a lot of times I think in, in our own lives and and. This is in the message. It's just something that I, in, in reading over this some more and more that uh, God spoke to my heart about. We need to not worry so much about, yes, it is good to, to plant the flowers and take care of the flowers and vacuum and do this, 
But we need to worry about our relationship, about our relationship with the God of this Bible, the book, and that'll take care of itself. Because if God's got our heart, He'll use us to take care of the house of God. But a house that is just taken care of on the outside, but God's not in it, that, that's, that's not going to be worth anything to the community in which we live. And so where are you at tonight in, in your relationship with God? Is it the book or is it a book? Because that'll, that'll dictate your view of God. And so we find that, that the priest calls it the book of God, the book of the law, and the scribe calls it a book. And so uh, the title of my message tonight is, Have You Found the Book? Have You Found the Book? Because they went in and as they were searching through the house of God, they found something that was so precious that totally changed the nation of Israel at this time. And if we're going to change the nation in which we live, we're going to have to have a, not just a book, but the book that transforms our lives so that we can transform our nation. And so I want to look at a few things here. Uh, R.A. Toria, an old preacher of days gone by, he said, you may talk about power, but if you neglect the one book that God has given you, I mean, think about it. The one book that God left to us, the Bible. One book. And yet we'll have people who write series of books and we'll go and we'll buy series and book after book in the series because it's so good and yet the book that God gave us, we'll neglect. He says, as the one instrument through which he imparts and exercises his power, you will not have it. You may read many books and go to many conventions and you may have your all-night prayer meetings to pray for the power of the Holy Ghost, but unless you keep in constant, close association with the one book, the Bible, you will not have power. And if you ever had power, you will not maintain it except by the daily, earnest, intense study of the book. Ninety-nine Christians in every hundred are merely playing at Bible study. And therefore, ninety-nine Christians in every hundred are mere weaklings, when they might be giants, both in, their, both in their Christian life and in their service. I mean, you think about what if, what if we all, what if this entire local called out assembly called Parkview Baptist Church got serious about the book and studying the book? Think about what God could do. We wouldn't have just the same old tent meeting that we had last year. And the year before. It would be different. Why? Because the power of God would be upon it. We wouldn't have maybe just one good service a year where we feel God's, but we might have it every service. Why? Because we're getting into the word that God left for us to get into. You know, it, it's like my, my grandpa left me uh, a coin collection. And, and, I, and I'm not a big coin person. I, he gave it to me. And I, I, I have it because it was a gift from him. But I'll tell you what, what's interesting about that is my sons, they, they never knew my grandpa. They, they never met him. He died long before that they uh, come around. Sherry never met my grandfather. But they love to get into the stuff that he left me because it's interesting to them. And, and, and it's something that piques their interest. Would to God that we would get uh, not just us, but our children, our grandchildren interested in what God has left us. And it would pique our interest and make a difference in our lives. First thing that I see here in, in this passage 
some of the, the, the verses that we read and then moving on into the rest of the chapter is, number one, this book will bring conviction. I think that's why a lot of times we avoid reading the Bible. Because the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. I mean, it's piercing and dividing. Uh, let me read it to make sure I get it right. Sharp and two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and arms, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open into the eyes of him with whom we have to do. In Jeremiah, he says, Is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? Look at verse number 11 of chapter 22 of 2 Kings. It says, And it came to pass when the king had heard the words of the book of the law that he rent his clothes. Why? Because he was convicted about what he had heard. Do we ever get conviction anymore? Do we ever... Does, do, do we ever allow God to move in our hearts to, to make us feel bad about what we've done or what we are doing? I, you know, we need to thank God. The Bible says, thank God for the chastening. Thank God for the convicting power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that moves within us to keep us close to Him. God wants a relationship with us. God wants to, to be close to us like we preached on this morning, let God get in our personal space, but... He can't do that if, if we're not willing to allow Him to convict us to get the wrong out. He says, draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Uh, cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Hey, He wants to draw nigh. And if we'll get in this book, it will convict us of what we have in our lives that we need to get out. So in order to get around that, we'll just not read it. We'll just simply peruse it on Sundays when the pastor says, turn to a passage. I, I, I've sat in churches before and I've watched people open it, and as soon as the preacher gets done reading his, his, his opening passage, they'll close and sit next to him and never open it again. They're there, but they ain't there. There's nothing that a preacher loves better than to hear the pages Wrestled in, 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 in the Bibles as people turn from passage to passage and, and, and look and, and, and take notes. And, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, in this passage, I went through and I, I underlined where it says the book and I underlined where it says a book. Why? Because that was important to me to show that, hey, there's a difference in the Word of God. And so it will bring conviction. It will make us recognize our wickedness, it will cause us to repent for our wrong. In verse number 19, it's, uh, they, they went and they, they considered and went to a prophetess. And she said in verse number 15, Thus saith the Lord, verse number 19, Because thine heart was tender, and thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, when thou heardest what I spake against this place. She's saying, she's saying, hey, you recognize your wrong, and you were sorry for it. He was humbling himself. We, we like to, to, to quote 2 Chronicles 7.14, which talks about if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. The very first key to getting right with God is humbling ourselves. And the very hardest thing for us to do is humble ourselves. I mean, it is. It honestly is. Why? We got pride. We, 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 we don't want to look bad in front of others. We don't want to, uh, to, to look as though we, we've done... 
I, I don't like to admit to wrong. I, you know, it, it's like when you're having a, a, a discussion with your wife and you realize you're utterly wrong, but you're going to try to work it to where you're right. You're, 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 you're scrambling within your brain, trying, to, and it's hard because when you, men can't multitask. And so you're trying to keep the discussion going while trying to find the way of escape from this temptation that God has allowed in your life. And, uh, and, and, and you're trying to find, and, and won't we do that when we, we're talking, well, God, you know, yeah, I know your word says this is wrong, but you know, really, really, it's not that bad. I mean, it's, it's not like I'm out killing people. But God says, repent. It, it doesn't matter what the sin is, it's sin. And so the, this book will bring conviction. It will make us, cause us to recognize our wickedness and repent of our wrong. Uh, in Romans chapter 10 it says, How then should they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how should they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? How should they hear without a preacher? I mean... We need the Word of God to be preached so that we can hear about our wrong that we don't want to confront. Preaching is supposed to be confrontational. Uh, you know, it, it's supposed to allow the Word of God to go through the preacher into the congregation and, and, and confront us with what is being said and the Word of God that is coming forth and allow it to get into our hearts to move us to get right with God. And, and, you know, it's like Brother Jason. He's got that banner that, that hangs above the platform. And tennis says, get right with God. That's, pretty, that's a statement. As I told my class this morning, that, that uh, phrase I think preacher said a while back, facts don't care about your feelings. They're facts. And, and so get right with God is not a, a, a question. It is a statement to get right with God. Because we need to. I need to. You need to. And so we need to allow this book to work in us, to convict us, to bring us to recognition and repentance of what we have done. This book will not only bring conviction, but verse number 13, look with me, uh, it brings concern. He says, Go ye, inquire the Lord for me, and for the people, and for all Judah, concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. He was concerned about what was going to happen because of what they had done. The Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. That is a natural law that God placed in this world that if you sow something, you're going to reap it. And it is a natural physical law that falls over into the spiritual realm that when we sow, as the Bible says, to the wind, we're going to reap the whirlwind. And so when we sow sin, we're going to reap the fruit thereof. I've got really cool tomato plants set up over there. And, and I showed Miss um, uh, Shoba and Kathy Schultz the other day my, uh, my redneck engineering for tomato plants. And it's, uh, I think I told you all about it a while back. It's, it's green Menards buckets with red or orange ratchet straps holding them to the side of my porch over there. And uh, it's a very good design. I'm going to patent it and sell it and become uh, a multi dollar air and so but what I have tomato plants in there now I go out and I water them and I, I rub the leaves and I talk to them I tuck them into bed at night <laughs> and uh, but I'm expecting tomatoes 
I have a cherry tomato plant because I love cherry tomatoes. And I'm expecting to have some, some sweet cherry tomatoes come forth from that plant. Why? Because it's a tomato plant. I, 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 didn't, I didn't plant it. Aaron did. Uh, but he gave me the plant, and then I put it in more dirt. And therefore, I planted the plant that he had planted before. But I look at it, and I don't expect to get an orange off of it. It's not what I want. I want a tomato. So why do we sow sin and then think that God's going to turn that around and give us something that we didn't sow? Now, he can use it in our lives for good because if we'll turn and repent and humble ourselves, he says, if you'll confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But the seed that we put in the plant is still going to bring forth a plant. Or the seed that we put in the ground is still going to bring forth that plant because we planted it. But God, as we saw last week, uh, where David committed that great sin and God was able to use it to do something good, God can turn around and work in our lives, but we're still going to have to deal with what we've planted. And so he was concerned about what had been done in his nation. And, and that's what this book ought to bring us to. It ought to bring us to be concerned about how am I living my life? Am I, am, I, uh, am I living my life right so that those that come behind me, they were doing what their parents had done. Uh, if you go back um, in, in his uh, lineage, uh, his father was Amon. The king was wicked and so wicked that the people conspired to kill him. And then Amon's father, so Josiah's grandfather in chapter 21 was Manasseh, one of the most wicked kings of all of Judah. So Josiah was following a lineage of what he had been taught, and, and yet somehow, at eight years old, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And then 18 years into his reign, 26 years old, he finds out that all that had been done prior to him had brought the wrath of God upon them. And he was concerned. It made him reevaluate his walk. Uh, I was reading and uh, just uh, looking at some things in uh, Peanuts, the comic strip. Uh, little Sally was struggling with her memory verse for Sunday, and it says she was absorbed in her thoughts, trying to figure out what uh, her verse was when she remembered. Maybe it was something from the book of reevaluation. And I thought that was funny because it's supposed to be Revelation. But here's my point to reevaluate. And this book is a book of reevaluation. If we'll get into it and allow God to work, it will make us, it will cause us, it will force us to reevaluate the steps that we are taking in our life. And that's what it did to Josiah here. He was concerned and it caused him to reevaluate. And then, you know, what, what's funny uh, in, in using GPS and, and things like that, uh, you get off track and, and it'll, it'll start trying to recompute. And that's what God will do. He'll make us reevaluate our walk and then he'll recompute our way to the way that he wants us to go. He'll show us the way. He'll make the path plain. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It says over in Psalms 119. I mean, God will, he will help us with reevaluating where we're at and recomputing where we're going to. But we have to be in the book. We, we, we have to get into the Word of God. 
See, I don't know what it is with today's Christianity to where we think that so long as we carry our Bible to church, God's going to make our path plain. I took a flashlight to the, the camp out uh, that we have for the men and boys. And I used it to get from point A to point B after dark. Now what I did is I pulled it out and I turned it on. You say, well, that seems very simple. Yes. But what we do as Christians is we pull this out, we never turn it on, and then try to walk in the dark. Now, I could have used that flashlight, held it in front of me, tripped over everything in the world because I never turned it on. Run into a tree, tripped over other people's tent stakes, everything. Why? Because I didn't turn it on. You say, well, that's stupid. Well, yeah. But we live life as a Christian in a dark, dark world with the Word of God that is a light and a lamp, and yet we keep it like this Monday through Saturday and open it for about five minutes on Sunday and expect God to bless us and expect God to light our way. When He said, it's here, it's available, it's open to you, I preserved it for you, you got to turn it on. you got to turn it on. And so we see that, that God wants us to be concerned when we read His Word. He'll convict us. He'll concern us. He'll help us to uh, bring us down a different way and reevaluate and move uh, where we need to go. Uh, in Psalm chapter 56 and verse number 12, it says, Thy vows are upon me. He says, For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Will thou not deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the land of of the living. While we're alive, God wants us to walk before Him. But we're going to have to get in the book. And then uh, the third thing that I saw, uh, it'll bring conviction, it'll bring concern, but it will bring a challenge. When I read this book, bef before, I, before I read, I try to always remember to ask God to give me something that I'm going to need for today. Um, because if, if, I guess it, it, it seems a bit uh, useless to just read the Bible, just to read the Bible. Because it is a living book. Because it is a book that has power. And if I'm just reading it like I would read any other book, God can't use my life. But if I ask God, Lord, I'm here this morning looking for something from you that I'm going to need today. He already knows what's coming down the path. He knows what, what's, what's going to hit you at work. He knows what's going to hit you uh, perhaps financially or physically or, or uh, relationship-wise. He knows what's already there, and He's got something for you to help you, to help me as I go into the day. But if I never open it and get it, it can't help me. And He wants us to get in His Word so that He can challenge us as we go out into this world to live for Him. He tells us uh, over in Ephesians 6 to take the whole armor of God. What is one of those? It's the sword of the Spirit. It's the Word of God. To take that with us. And He tells us to hide it in our heart. That's how we can take it with us as we go. Uh, it, he's he's going to challenge us to walk on a raised walkway. Christ has set our feet on a, a new path that is higher than our old path. 
in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 4 through 6, he tells us uh, that God who's rich in mercy for his great love with he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He's raised us up to walk in a new way. Pastor talks about uh, Brother Clarence Sexton down there at, at Crown College and take the high road in life to, to, to walk the high ground, to, to stay above. And, and why? Because God has raised us up out of this world, out of this mire, out of this, this place that we were stuck in, and set our feet on a rock that is solid. And he says, hey, this is where I want you to walk. But we have gotten to be very good rock climbers, be able to climb back down. Next thing you know, you see a Christian jumping off the edge, you know, rappelling down the side of the rock like they're on a SWAT team or something, going down and, and getting back down to the world. Why? Because they failed to stay in the Word of God and stay on that raised walkway that God set our feet on. And that's what the Word of God will do. It will challenge us to walk where He wants us. To walk, He will remind us against wandering. In Psalms chapter 119, he says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth, and I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies. As in much as in all riches, I will meditate in thy precepts, and have respect unto thy ways. I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. He says, let me not wander and I will not forget. When we stay in this book, when we stay in the book, God is able to help us to keep from wandering. You know, um, it's like I was telling you this morning about setting up our, our area there at the fireworks and how I had it ringed off and, and roped in and that was to keep people out that was also to keep my stuff in because I like my stuff and I, I wanted you know my sandwiches to stay within that I didn't want nobody walking off with my sandwich I wanted my drinks to stay within there my my bag of cookies my chips my children <laughs> my wife everybody was ringed in and the Word of God will certainly help keep a lot of things out but it'll help keep us in where God wants us to stay in and this book will help to keep us from wandering away from God. Uh, I think it's Brother Henson who said, this book will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And that's true. That is true. And so if we want, and that's what it comes down to, if we want to not wander, stay in the Word of God. I mean, study in the Word of God. Uh, study to show thyself approved unto God a word and he's not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, he tells in 2 Timothy. Why? Because in order to rightly divide what God has given us, in order to keep us from one, in order to keep us clean, in order to keep us where he wants us to be, we're going to have to not just read it, but study the Word of God. One of the reasons, you know, as Pastor and I talked about the theme for this year, reading, remembering, and relying uh, the, the worth of the Word is, is the fact that we can read the Word of God, but if we will 
take the Word of God and remember it and, and, and memorize it and then use it to rely upon it on a daily basis. It will make us better Christians. And by making better Christians, it makes us a better church. I mean, the, the strength of the church rises and falls upon the members they're with. And so if, as R.A. Torrey said, we're weaklings instead of giants, we'll be a weak church. We might be financially abundant. We might have numbers that are growing. We might, but, but when God measures us, when, when, when God reaches down and uh, the message preached uh, back on Graduate Sunday about when God reaches down into his vineyard and, and plucks a grape, is it sweet or sour? That's what matters to God. And so this, this book that we have here, we'll, uh, we need repetitive washing from it. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. John chapter 15, he tells us, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. I think it was uh, Brother Lester Roloff, I believe, that I've heard quoted that said sometimes we just need a good brainwashing. Pastors mention this, and it's washing in the word of God to keep us to challenge us to stay on the path that he has laid out before us. And then it will help us to retain his will. If we want to retain God's will in our life, then we have to be in the book. This book is the book that has the answers to our questions. It has the solutions to our problems. And, you know, I, I cannot tell you how many men of God that I have heard their testimony or talked to that have said when they were seeking the will of God, they were in the Word of God, and God gave them a verse that showed plainly what He wanted them to do. It, that, 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 that as they were studying and asking God for clarity, it was in His Word. And we'll walk around and say, I just don't know the will of God for my life. There's a whole bunch of the will of God in the Word of God. That's plain as day if we'll get in there and find it. If we'll stay in the Word. I read about a man named William McPherson. He was a superintendent for a stone quarry when a blast severely injured him. He lost his eyesight and he lost both hands in the explosion. And yet, he was determined to read the Bible. And with that determination, he learned to read raised letters such as Braille with the tip of his tongue. And it's said that he read through the Bible four times in that manner. Four times he read through the Word of God using the tip of his tongue. How many times have we read through the Word of God using our eyes? When we can so easily open and see what God has for us. Because that will show the difference between whether it is a book or the book as to how we treat the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you.